and welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I can't wait to gay giggle with today's guest. If you've laughed in a Broadway theater in the past, I don't know, 10 years, chances are that our guest has probably had something to do with it. You've seen him in The Prom, Groundhog Day, Finding Neverland, Hair, and so many other shows. Please welcome to the mic, Josh Lehman. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Thank Josh. you for having me. Oh my God. Welcome to the pod. I'm so excited you're here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to gay giggles. Gay giggles. How are you today? I'm good. I feel like I'm going to name my future child gay giggles. Oh my gosh. How cute. I could see I gay- know, right? I love someone who has a name that is two words. Get it. Get it. You know, like start off get get 22 names it's it's yeah. 2022 like make sure your name is exactly yeah, who you are yeah this is gay giggles ropesha layman <laughs> not ropesha yeah why not why not or like this is gay giggles hanukkah miracle layman there you go there you go it tells you everything you need to know about the child before you even start get into it all ryan ryan means little king which i think is kind of apropos of me that's are you little? I am well, I'm five four. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that works that works, Lil King. Yeah. Sup, Lil King. Hey. <laughs> oh my gosh, Josh, let's just hop into it. Where are you from? How how do you get to be you? How do I get to be me? A lot of tears and heavy meals at night. Mm, yes. Um I grew up in San Diego. And um, I was a theater kid through and through. It was all I wanted to do ever in my entire life. And um, yeah, and then I went to to school in Philadelphia for about a year and a half. And then um, eventually I just started working in Philly as an actor and made, I feel like at like 21, I felt like my career sort of peaked there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I came to New York. Do you remember the first time you were like, doing theater as a youth and you knew that this was like something you could do professionally? I, I mean, I, I, in the back of my head, I knew that this was what I was going to do. My parents took me to see a lot of theater. And from the time I was like four, like it was just like, that's what I'm going to do. And um, so there wasn't necessarily like a specific moment on stage, but um. We we would go see plays a lot at San Diego Junior Theater, which um is an incredible youth theater in San Diego. And a lot of people went through that, like Casey Nicola, Greg Barnes, and at Benning, like Brian Stokes Mitchell, like Charles Brown. Just some, just some casual names. <laughs> just some casual names that all grew up in San Diego and did theater there. And um I have vivid memories of leaving the theater. You could always meet the cast after outside and get pictures and autographs. And, um, you know, like they were celebrities to me. Also, I was four. And so these like 13 year olds were like fully adult in Mm -hmm. my eyes. Um, And then my first professional job was when I was um, maybe 10. How old are you in fifth grade? About 10. Yeah, I'm doing the transitive property and I think it adds up to 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and that was a production of Gypsy um, with Karen Morrow as Mama Rose, who is just, you know, a Broadway, Broadway legend. And that's when I was like, I'm going to be a child star. And my mother was like, no, you won't. <laughs> and I was like, I need an agent. And she was like, I'm not going to LA every day. And I was like, you're ruining my career. And she's mm-hmm. like, you are 10. <laughs> You don't have one. 
And uh, in hindsight, I'm really grateful. You know, um, most of the kid actors I've worked with are incredible humans and have great parents. But, you know, there there are a few of them that have come out, you know, slightly, slightly bruised from this little industry. Yeah, absolutely. I remember. So the very first show I saw on Broadway was Mary Poppins. And I remember um, like getting my money together with uh, some friends that saw it because it was like red bucket night and they're like you can go backstage if you like do this much and we're like yeah let's do it and we got to meet the kids that were so talented but you could tell they were just like you're being put in an adult world so they're like I am yeah. a child I don't know what to do to talk to you <laughs> like... yeah well I mean especially when you're a, a child actor you're <clears throat> I feel like you you have a sense of you are always performing. Mm-mm. So when you meet people, it's very like, hello, I'm so-and-so, and I play child whatever. Um, but, you know, it's like I did Little Miss Sunshine with James Lapine and Bill Finn, and there was a bunch of kids in that. And on the first day of rehearsal at the meet and greet, uh, James, he said it really beautifully and very friendly. He was like, I'm so excited that you're here. But when we're working, you will be treated like an adult, like a professional, and I will expect you to carry yourself as you are, you know, as a professional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was made very clear in a kind way that this is very fun and it's going to be fun. However, this is work. Yeah, it's interesting to think about because I didn't do any like professional theater as a kid. And I'm, I always think about like, how that would have changed like my love of it if because I got to start out just kind of being like goofy and silly and like at the end of the day it really didn't matter but like if I was getting a paycheck or understood that like how that would have shaped me now as an adult is just kind of interesting to think about. I just worked with this incredible incredible uh woman um she's she just turned 18 and uh, her name's Edie Y-D-E and she grew up as like a Nickelodeon star. And um, from the time that she was like, I don't know, like six or seven, she was the lead role in movies and all this stuff. And when I met her, when I found out that she just turned 18, even I mean, she looks 18, but she carries herself like a 40-year-old businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And so it was shocking in a way. And, you know, sure, she when you go like what what was that like was it was it weird and she was like it's all that i knew right so it wasn't weird it was just life but you know in hindsight when you're at that level you don't really get to be a kid yeah also so much is so much pressure is put on you because you're in the limelight so like you know like i felt so bad for justin bieber all those years when people were like tearing him apart and i was like he's 14 he's a child yeah, let's let's put your fourteen year old ass in like a in front of the world and see how that goes. If you put my twenty six year old ass in front of the world, I would have like fallen flat I on my know. face, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. Same thing. I'm I'm old, you know, but um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a different world. Yeah. For sure. For for those youngins that, that pursue this. Did you have or do you have any siblings as you were on this journey to stardom? <laughs> Journey to start with Ryan Andrews. Um, yeah, I have a an older sister, 
and a little brother. Um, neither of them have anything to do with show business or theater. Like, I don't even really think they like theater. They, <laughs> they'd see me in things because they had to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're supportive and proud, but also they don't get it at all. It, um, yeah. And then I have a half-sister who I love, and she loves theater. Her My niece, Ariel, is a little dancer. And just loves performing, loves everything. Um, They also, like, my least favorite song in Finding Neverland is Believe. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those songs that I'm like, I never, ever, ever need to hear this song (laughs) ever again. And that was, like, the first day that I heard it. And uh, But they're obsessed with it. And so they send me, like, videos of her dancing to Believe. And I'm like, oh, oh, Lord. You're like, oh, great. Send me something from Gypsy. Come on. Something. I saw Finding Neverland because an ex of mine had a comp and I rolled the dice to see magic. Mostly rolled the dice on on seeing this ex, but had a good time. <laughs> good. You know, there was it was a beautiful show. There was a lot of magnificent shit in that, like the glitter the glitter tornado. tornado will stay with me forever and ever. Same. I still find pieces of that mylar in my apartment now and then and I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> It's it's almost 10 years later, and I still have this? And any chance to see Laura Michelle Kelly, I mean, I, oh, I have she's to. She's a goddess. I mean, I listen to Lothlorien from the Lord of the Rings musical all of the time. If anybody hasn't listened to it, it's wonderful and <laughs> epic and a blast. Um, it's a road trip staple for mine, for me. So I was like, yeah, I, ha- I should go see the show. <laughs> I didn't even know that they made a cast recording of that. Oh, my gosh. It's a blast. That song stands out. There's a tenor who's just slapping his vocal cords together. It's a blast. <laughs> Big fan. There, uh, the we did a a sit down in Toronto with Wicked and a, like half the crew and um, my dresser and like everybody worked on that show. Oh damn! And they were like, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute <laughs> nightmare. Never bring that show up. Never. <laughs> You know, it was so legendary. It was like, some say they still hear the screams coming from the tenor one. You know, like, some say. Um, Yeah. Oh, I love that. So when you were growing up and you were doing theater, like, were you also into pop culture or were you just like blinders? Because I have a huge section of my life that was like, oh, all I listen to is the the cast albums that I can find at the library and put on my computer. (laughs) Um, it was definitely a mixed bag um, because I was also like I've dealt with like heavy depression and anxiety my entire life. And so there was a lot of genres that like really sort of like hooked into that side of me, into that like I guess for lack of better terms, like like my my darkness. Mm. Like because uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in the grunge era, which was like – Nirvana, Hole, you know, all those bands. And, um, you know, there was just something about that that really spoke to me. And then in high school, I went through so many phases, but my longest one was I was in love, in love with this little punk rock boy named Brian. And I was like, I'm going to be a punk rock person and I'm going to go hang out with them. And I did. And like... You know, and so then I got introduced to the punk world. And though the music wasn't necessarily my thing, the message was. And it was a good way for me to, like, find an outlet. Now, 
fast forward to today, I have no idea. Am I allowed to curse you on here? You can swear all the fuck oh, you want. Oh, good, because I don't know who the fuck these people are. <laughs> like, like Edie and the, the other three, you know, quote unquote kids, they're 18 to 20 years old. We'd be in the van going from the rehearsal hall back to our apartments in Cambridge, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, have you listened to Pink Danda? And it's like, what? Who? No. Have you ever heard of Billy Joel? You know, like, they just now. being old. Olivia Rodrigo so, reintroduced Billy Joel to people. I don't even know who that, Olivia, who, see, That's I'm, great. Mm, I'm not cool, I'm old. You know what? I'm not cool, I'm old. Put it on my tombstone. Hey, got it. You know? Uh, yeah, I am often uh, drawn to the sad, angry women genre of music. I just, <laughs> I could do a Melissa Etheridge all day. Uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting when you think back on like phases that we go through and how being a parent and watching your kid go through like deep identity changes as phases to meet new people must be wild. I mean, I also didn't have a great relationship with my parents growing up. Mm -hmm. And so, like, some of it was definitely a fuck you. Like, I grew up in, like, a normal Jewish household. And one of my, before the punk rock phase, I went through a big born-again Christian phase. Ah, yes. Which really upset my parents. <laughs> like, I would wear a cross, and I would sneak out to go to church on Saturday nights. And uh, my parents would be like, you're Jewish. And I'd be like, I forgive you i am praying for you you know like yeah. i'm such a little dickhead about all of it but i think that that was also like not just rebelling but trying not to be gay yeah absolutely you know yeah i too had in a uh, like a year of like being really into church both my parents i would say like aren't religious individuals my dad grew up catholic and my mom grew up jewish but by the time we were kids, like, I don't ever remember being like, we have to go to some kind of church. Hmm. And I just happened to fall into it. And uh, yeah, I like my mom got baptized because I was like concerned about it. It's just like doesn't make sense to me now that I think about my life. <laughs> but like it I think it yeah, I think it probably stemmed from a like I knew something was different about me. And I'm going to try all of these things to see if I fit into a group mm -hmm. instead of just addressing the like individual need that I yeah. had. Huh. Well, I just figured that out. Thanks, Josh. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so you move to Philly and you start getting things going. What was it like going from San Diego across the country and then to New York? Like, did you have, oh like, a God. support system? How did it go? Yes. I really, you know, I I fucked up a lot. Um, basically, when I went from San Diego to Philadelphia, it was it was like my rumspringa. Mm. Um, for, for you kids at home, that's when the Amish teenagers <laughs> get let loose into the world and party, and then they can come back or they can be forever shunned and join all of us sinners. But what, what a great choice <laughs> yeah um so as i explained my joke i'm like rumspringa um <clears throat> now everybody laugh rewind and laugh um gay giggle um but i was so like i was more interested in partying um i didn't respond to some of my teachers there was this one asshole named uh ugh, david bassick i think um 
where his claim to fame was he was an assistant director for Boy Meets World for like one of the seasons. And I was like, cool. So what are you going to teach me? Like how to wrangle extras? (laughs) Like, I I mean, I was definitely cocky, but um, I just hated it. And uh, I, I dropped out. And then, like, my parents were like, oh, okay, you want to be in the real world? Well, congratulations. Welcome to it. Like, we're not going to support you anymore. So get a job and figure out life. Mm. And um, at the time, I was like, you people are monsters. (laughs) And um, looking back, I'm like, yeah, you should have punched me in the face, too. Um, So I got a job at Starbucks. I worked there for a while. It was terrible because it was across the street from my college. Uh-huh. So I had to serve everybody that was like, oh, look at Josh. He's a dropout. Even a teacher was like, oh, you know, you had so much potential. And I was like, you're getting decaf for the rest of your fucking days. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, though? Like, I truly, especially going through like this podcast and talking to all sorts of artists across the way, like. I think BFA programs are fucking bad for people. I think we do them too early. I think it's wild the way we talk to people about leaving school or taking a break or what have you. It's like, if you don't get your undergrad degree by the time you're 22, like you've missed it. Like that type of thinking is so crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's all nuts. Um, But there's also good things. You know, you can get really good training. You, depending on the school, like, you can get put in front of the right people when you're moving to the city to pursue it or whatever. Um, But also, this was, like, 20 years ago, so it was very different. I don't know what it's like now at, you know, for these uh, BFA programs and stuff. Um, But I think when I, I also had some amazing teachers that, I did learn a great deal from. But one thing that I always did was I knew that I was talented. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was not very good, like as an actor. I knew that I could sing Mm -hmm. and I knew that I was funny. But also when you're young and fat and, you know, queer and going into this business, there's not a lot there for you. Mm -hmm. Ensemble is for, you know, mostly younger people. And so I knew that I wasn't going to work for a long time, but I also knew that I had to get better. So I took as many classes as I could. Um, My mentor became Craig Cornelia, who... uh, is a fantastic composer, brilliant writer. Um, He has a book out now called The Reason to Sing, I think, which is phenomenal. It's all like how to perform a song and how to do it honestly and um, how to act. And uh, I took his class for years and years and years, um, as did so many people. Like Sutton Foster Mm -hmm. was one of the students. He would go to class and it would be like, here's somebody like me who is just starting, but maybe has had a few regional jobs, but that's it. And then you're sitting next to like Sutton Foster or like somebody else, you know, or, um, and you would hear these experiences. There was, uh, things would get really deep. There was a, an actress there who had done like eight Broadway shows, but hadn't booked a job in five years. And dealing with that struggle in such a real way, but also finding a way to like 
put these emotions into your art. And, um, you know, and it's like we cannot control if we work, but we can control the art that we make. And sometimes, like, that is therapy. And sometimes that has to be enough, especially in times like this when, I mean, it used to be, I think, like, 2% of actors were working at before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. 2%. Now it's like point zero 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 two percent. You know, yeah. it's um, it's nuts and it's sad and it's not going to get better anytime soon. Yeah, I was trying to describe it to my family last time I was home, um, and they're not in the business or around the business at all. And it's like to describe it to somebody who's in theater is hard enough the like loss of job potential and how that feels and then to describe it to somebody who's like not in that world is somehow even harder because yeah like a big thing that I've always said to people when they're like I'm thinking about moving to New York I'm like first move to a city that you want to live in point ended but if you want to move to New York one of the things I love about New York and being a theater artist is that at any given day I can audition for something and there's always something else and so it takes weight off of everything because you can just keep working whereas now everything feels weighted because anything comes through it could be it's the one you've had for two years it's the one you've had for a month um and it's the same casting process like that hasn't really changed so it's weird when the thing that I, I like it, love most about working in theater in New York is gone. And like, how do you keep that drive going? It's just kind of a mind fuck that we've been in for so long. It's horrible. It's depressing. And, um, you know, it's a it's really a one day at a time kind of thing. But also when you do feel inspired, write something mm-hmm. or I I hate karaoke with all my heart. Same. I hate performing in cabarets with all my heart I don't do them um not not because I don't like the genre but because it it makes me so anxious it makes me feel like I'm auditioning it just is not my journey um but for people oh, I love that I just made that all about me but uh <laughs> this for episode people is that, about you so <laughs> yeah that's right it's all about me um but for people that love that that's a great outlet go out sing perform make your own work um and by make your own work, not necessarily a paycheck, sadly, but you can keep yourself working when you're not working, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You have to find a way to feed what makes you want to do this um, in general in a, in a regular non-pandemic time and especially in yeah. a pandemic time, because if you don't, it'll go away. You know, like it, it, if you don't keep the fire going, it'll go out. Yeah, but do it at your own pace, you know, like... makes you feel good. Yeah, it's like, okay, instead of drinking myself to death Mm. today, I'm going to do a little writing, you know, or whatever. You know, just one day at a time. One day at a time, kids. There we go. Well, Josh, I think this is a great segue to ask the question of the podcast. (laughs) Which is, why are you like this? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why am I like this? See, that's such a big question. Like, <laughs> So I want you to narrow it down. Why am I insane? Why am mm-hmm. I funny? Okay. Why am I in theater? Why am I... I think they um, all combine, for sure, to make you okay. who you are. Um, but, for example, as a person who has seen you perform, I admire your ability to elevate material and to make it uniquely your own. Um, I got the opportunity to see Emoji Land, and I thought that you went above and beyond in that oh, to thanks, friend. create something magical. And I think that's a that's a beautiful talent that you have. And I think as a queer, bigger person in theater, you have to carve your own way. And I just kind of want to know like how and why you, you did that to make this career that you've made. Well, I think a lot of it stems from sort of a lifetime of like self-hatred in a way where I've learned, I mean, it was so clear to me that I wasn't like everybody else that I have a weird nasally voice, that I'm unique in good ways and terrible ways, you know? Like, that was so, you know, shoved down my throat that eventually I learned, I was like, there's only one of me, and I might not be the right puzzle piece, but if I give them the fiercest option of me, however weird that is, whatever, nobody can replicate that. And I learned a lot of that with uh, Diane Paulus, who, you know, I, without her, I don't think I would have had a career. And um, she, I also come from the improv world. So, like, those artists that let me do my thing and just be me, half of the shit that I come up with ends up in the script, you know? And um, So I think that it's, and I still battle with self-hatred. I still battle with all of that. None of that is cured. It's going to be a lifelong process, but it does help me. Um, It helps me, like with Emoji Land. Um, I was like, I don't want to be a bitchy character. Like Leslie's character is bitchy enough. That's boring for me. If like to see two of that, I'd be like so bored. So I was like, what if he's just like a giant man baby? (laughs) Like, I did what made me what I thought was hilarious. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. And I think it really worked. (laughs) I would agree. I would concur. Thank you. Thank you. So I hope that answers your question. Why am I like this? I mean, I'm adopted. I'm needy. I chose the wrong path. I survived a lot of terrible things. And, um, you know, it's like you, you get stronger. You know, it's a, I'm a Peloton girl. And one of my favorite instructors says like, what is pain today shows up as strength tomorrow. Mm. And I'm like, that's true with life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to look back on moments where you've been in trauma or have like, 
because it gets romanticized as you get farther and farther away, or at least mine do, because of the way that I think and the way that my humor works. It's like if I think back on shit that went horribly wrong, as I get farther and farther away from it, it A, doesn't impact me as much because I have been doing work on myself, but B, it I minimize it in a weird way instead of like letting it be something that was important and shaped me and move forward from it. Um, it's easier for me to make a joke than it is to like, I guess, accept that. Same. Yeah. You know, like, um, like I survived a very um, terrible domestic violence relationship and uh, like using humor, I've always used humor, whether I knew it or not, to get through everything. Mm. And in the past, I what I learned later was that I never dealt with anything that happened. I would, I just was funny and that's how I got through. Now, 80 years later, I'm able to laugh at the situation to really laugh at the darkness, but also cope with it at the same time and find that balance of like laughing is going to make this easier, but also there's this and I have every right to feel my feelings about that. And not just feel them, but to, you know, to find, I, I have a very, very close uh, family of friends, like a chosen family. We've been each other's family for, you know, 20 years now. And um, to learn how to like call somebody and say, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't need you to understand, but I need to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, and that took years. I'm much better at being there for other people than I am for myself. Absolutely. You know, which I think many of us go through. Do you find that being funny and other sometimes feels like you can't do anything else in your career? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. You know, again, going back to Diane Paulus, um, I... I love her and she's one of the few people in the city that lets me, that sees me as an actor rather than a comedian. And, um, you know, like the, the last show that I did, um, was wild up at ART with her. And when I got the audition, I was shocked because the character is this bigot, straight, abusive father, alcoholic monster you know, that is clearly sort of the bad guy of the show. He's the bad guy of the town, and he's a horrible, horrible human. And she's one of the only people that, that lets me do that. Mm -hmm. Because um, beyond comedy, what I love is I love creating people. And I think comedy is best when it's as real when it's as human as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, people forget that if, you know, to be an amazing comedian, you have to be an amazing actor. Yes. Like, period. Um, an example, uh, Christina Applegate, from, back from my childhood, is a phenomenal actress. And that's why her comedy works. Betty White, phenomenal actress. And that is why her comedy worked, because she made a real human that wasn't stupid, just 
wasn't as bright, but was still a, a, a functioning, wonderful human. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I do get pigeonholed definitely where everything's and there's also like a challenge to that where it's like oh okay now say something funny and you're like okay. and I'm like I'm going to tear the skin off of your face <laughs> and they're like feed oh it to my, my cats and they're like that's hilarious put it in the script no you don't get a percentage <laughs> um, I was gonna say you gotta get that Hamilton money from every script that you're added to now Jesus <laughs> um, but yeah but you know I it was interesting up at Wild because um, somebody from the team was like, you know, when I met you, I was really worried. I was like, this person is going to play like this guy? And he's like, and then I saw what you did. And I was like, oh, Diane was right. And so it is a an uphill battle. But it's so important to have people in your life who see creative people as well, who see you as like you as a full human. Yeah. So that you get to be all of you. You get to be a creator of worlds. You get to highlight things that are magical about you that, like, aren't assumed. I mean, like, I'm a short, semi-chubby, more chubby usually guy who's (laughs) gay, who, like, I know what trope I can play into in this world of musical theater, but I also, like have a depth and have a soul and like I also recently turned 30 and so like I'm not trying to be a 15 year old and shit anymore but like what does that mean Mm -hmm. as an adult moving forward like it's like all these strange thoughts that like being pigeonholed even if it's not actually happening in your own mind I think is such a interesting thing that performers wrestle with because most of the time yeah it's kind of us thinking about us. Yeah. And, um, but it's also important to know who you are in this industry, where you fit, what, how, how people can market you, mm-hmm. especially in commercial theater. Yeah. You have to know your type. You have to know what you're right for. You have to know what you can build. And so, I mean, but it's another reason to make your own work because people aren't necessarily going to run up to you and be like, show me everything that <laughs> that you can, show me your palette. You know, because that's just not how life works. Sometimes right. you have to show them. Yeah. I love that. Oh, Josh, you are just so much inspiration just flowing from your body today. Oh, I'm a just, fucking sage. You're a fucking star. <laughs> do you get to still do improv? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not as much. Um, you know, I'm on a I'm on a house team at the Magnet Theater, which is one of the only improv institutes that survived the pandemic because UCB, the pit closed, like all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'm a part of a team called Shits Probe. Um, <laughs> we perform once a month, and what we do is we take a performer, uh, a Broadway or like film television person that does not have a background in improv. And we make them the star of an improvised musical. Oh. It's so much fun. And so we do that um, every third Monday. Uh, Yeah. Um, Once a month, every third Monday of that month. Um, I think at like 730. 
at uh, the old UCB space called Improv Asylum now in uh, in Chelsea. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's fun. I did a show at the pit years and years ago called The Disembodied Hand That Fisted the World to Death. Uh, <laughs> and I have never felt more like a rock star than yeah. like getting the pit audience going. But then you leave and then you like recognize like you just saying about fisting in front of people and uh amen amen why not not? gay man um (laughs) it's true and the pit everybody from the pit everybody from the magnet i just love with all my heart i didn't have the greatest experience at ucb but i also know you know plenty of them and i love them too and that is not a unique experience with ucb just so you're aware (laughs) <laughs> oh, I oh, well, I'm aware. The thing with UCB, I felt, was everybody was there trying to get famous, mm-hmm. and I was there trying to have fun and trying to get better. Naturally, I can be shy, so it was it was a good tool for me to learn to just sort of step out of myself and be able to show up no matter what. Um, and I mean, it's a problem too with um with I think aspiring performers who it's like, well, do you want to be an artist? Do you want to be an actor or do you want to be famous? Cause those are two very different journeys. Mm-hmm. So like, do you want to be a better actor or do you want to be famous? Yeah. I, one of the things that I do love about Broadway is the idea of like Broadway famous. Like I want to be like, famous enough that people will be excited that I'm in something, but I also want to go to the grocery store and be fine. That's the thing. I mean, <laughs> like, I th- I think, you know, Broadway famous is so funny to me because uh, it's just this small community that, like, anybody else in America would be like, who? Who's that? I don't know them. Are they in Phantom? You know, like... But to this community, we have people that we love and look up to, like, you know, like Stephanie Block, Mm -hmm. Donna Murphy, um, all those heroes, you know. But um, I think that it's a different kind of fame because it's it's really earned. Yeah. And um, I don't know. For me, it's like I I just I want to be a respected performer. And I feel like like that dream has come true. Like I don't, I've worked with enough famous people to know that it ain't that cute a lot of the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and that it could be really lonely, though I do want their money. Absolutely. And whenever I'm with a famous friend, I'm like, I need you to give me $50,000 in cash. I need it tomorrow. <laughs> and you cannot ask questions. I cannot protect you. You know, like... <laughs> But, yeah, I think I think a great goal for people to have would be I want to be established enough that I don't have to fight to get into the room, like to get into the auditions. And I want people to like what I do. And I want to be proud of what I do, too. And I want to be able to pay my, my mortgage. I want to get a mortgage. Hear me, 2022! <laughs> <laughs> Well, Josh, I absolutely look up to you, and you are definitely famous to me. So you got oh, someone. Thanks, love. You're sweet. Ah. Uh, well, I ask this of all of my guests. Do you have any questions for me? Yes. 
what was the first moment that you remember falling in love with theater? I was doing a church show in my like year of churchdom called the worst Christmas pageant ever. And that's edgy for a church. I know. Right. Um, and I got to be the lead and it's interesting because like, if I think back on like school, like I was really quick to learn how to read and I'm like a smart individual. But after that, like the school benchmarks of like being good at a subject kind of stopped for me. But when Mm -hmm. I did that, I was quick and good at it and received praise for it. And so then I just remember being like, well, this is it. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm going to do it. And I didn't have any, like, immediate child star wants or needs. Like, I just knew that, like, I think I was in, like, sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade when this happened. And I knew I was going into middle school and I was just going to do the play there. And then I was going to go to my high school and do the plays there. And that's when I learned about BFAs in general due to the YouTube craze and the Umish kids singing I Sing. And, um, yeah, I think that was the first time that I, I'm also like a Leo and love attention. And so being the lead of it and feeling important was really special to me and something that I cherished. So yeah, I think it was then. How do you cope with the struggles of trying to be a performer? I didn't cope with it very well for a long time. Um, I was auditioning a lot. I wasn't really changing anything. I wasn't getting the response I want. And I was working in a whiskey bar and I was drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And around 27, I stopped drinking and uh, due to like a bunch of stuff. And I started writing sketch and I started this and I started feeding other creative avenues so that when I do audition for anything um, I'm coming at it from a creatively fulfilled spot where I think before I I would 100% have said that I wasn't feeling creative or that I wasn't I was just being a technician and um So I think venturing out in a way to create other stuff and letting it be just what it is, like if it, if people like it and like I get hired to do something great and if they don't, like I got to spend an hour writing and that feeds my spirit so that when I'm standing in my room, as you can see, and moving things and singing I don't know, a Bruno Mars song for somebody's like brand new jukebox musical. Like, I don't feel soul crushed. I feel excited. Hmm. But it's a struggle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on not drinking. That is, uh, that's hard. And um, that's, you know, really admirable of you. So I guess if you could uh, offer a listener some advice on how to cope with their difficult times what what advice would you give um i would say find a way that feels like you're working on something 
there's a there's a checked out method of having the same audition book and not like and this is just speaking just like as like musical theater trying to make it work in New York City like you know your six or seven songs that you sing all the time and then you don't keep searching and you don't keep investing in the art form that you like and that you love and I think that drains your well so if you can find ways to comfortably work on yourself and your talent as they often collide that'll make you feel like an artist which is really important because a lot of the times in the commercial theater audition world you don't feel like an artist you feel kind of like a body and you have to remind yourself that this is an art form that you are talented at and you are good at and you feel like you need to share stories with people so if you can find a way to write if that makes you do it if singing a full taylor swift album cover to cover makes you feel like that go off sis but just find ways to like make art that aren't money based and i think that'll really help hopefully i love all that yeah what would you say um to find a support network mm. to um speak about their feelings and um that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. That's a part of life. But, um, you know, it's like in, when I have bouts of depression, it's a lot of it, you know, because when you're depressed, it, you know, oftentimes people say it feels like there's this huge cloud over you, which is true, It's but it's like a fog. But it's important to remember that it's not always going to be there. Mm -hmm. it's important to remember the times that you were and are happy and that that will come again. Absolutely. Even if it sucks right now, you know? Oof. And yeah, it's not, it's not great, but it's on the way up. I think hopefully we'll, well see. Well, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I see. I wake up and I'm like, now what? <laughs> um, uh, Josh, I could talk to you for like six hours. I think you are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast. Where can the children find you? Um, the children uh, <laughs> can find me. The children can find me. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is Josh period Layman, L-A-M-O-N. Um yeah, or, you know, Twitter or uh, my website is Um Yeah, and if if uh, people out there want to work with me, I do a lot of audition coaching, um, some kind of, you know, career coaching as well. Um, and I teach uh, musical performance, like acting through song. Um, so, yeah, um, if anybody wants, they can reach out to me on my Instagram or check out my website or whatever. Fierce. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, until next time, y'all. Bye.
Nothing.